This time on episode 324 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Jessica Jones, season 2, episode 5, a.k.a. The Octopus, and season 2, episode 6, a.k.a. FaceTime. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Goof-Off Day. Perfect timing. It is, right? It is so... I thought this might just be a new thing this year. It is not. It has been around since 1967, and it was created by Monica Dufour, who was originally Monica Moeller, married name Monica Dufour, in 1976, and had an interview in the Detroit Free Press in 1983 about it. So this is a well-documented day. How did I not know about it before now? Yeah, we need to make this like an actual national holiday, just like a day to blow off steam, have fun. I've seen some really good videos on Instagram and Twitter of people goofing off in interesting ways and like in recent times. So uh, good on y'all for celebrating early. Indeed. Well, we'll continue to celebrate as we go into the future. In the meantime, let's get back to the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book universes in general. Because of awkward marriage proposals. (laughs) If you'd like to talk to us about awkward marriage proposals, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you'd like to leave a message about how you detest public proposals, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you'd like to talk to us about your awkward marriage proposals, you can find us on Facebook at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can watch us at YouTube on YouTube.com slash Geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. And remember... Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network. Agent Haley couldn't be here with us today. She is still tying up loose ends, but she should have all the loose ends tied up, which means watching the episodes by next week. So we hope to see her next week. In the meantime, we have a couple of episodes of Jessica Jones to get to. You ladies ready to get it to it? Mm-hmm. Yep. We are talking 
Jessica Jones Season 2, Episode 5, and Season 2, Episode 6, a.k.a. The Octopus and a.k.a. FaceTime. Both of these episodes premiered on Netflix March 8th, 2018. And Michelle, why don't you run down the creative team of The Octopus? This episode was directed by Millicent Shelton, who has 89 directing credits starting in 1990, including two of the Burning Max show, Four Everybody Hates Chris, One Parks and Recreation, One Leverage, Two Warehouse 13, One Proof, One of the Originals, Three Flash, One Supergirl, One Runaways, One Jessica Jones, One Luke Cage, One Manifest, and One of the Walking Dead. And this episode was written by Jamie King, has five writing credits starting in 2011, including One Impulse, Four Jessica Jones, and has 11 credits as the story editor of jessica jones all right that is a very accomplished crew there with the director jamie king i have seen of course the name when the writing of jessica jones glad to see the continuation of the people that have been involved in the series to be uh writing the series so that's great lauren why don't you run down the creative team behind facetime this episode was directed by jet wilkinson who has 26 directing credits starting in 2008, with nine of All Saints, four of Crownies, four of Wentworth, one of American Gothic, one of Code Black, one of Iron Fist, one of Jessica Jones, one of Daredevil, two of The Punisher, seven of The Chai, and I had to throw this in because I forgot this was happening, one of the Halo series that is currently in pre-production. The episode was written by Rael Tucker, who has nine writing credits starting in 2004, with two of Eyes, eight of Supernatural, 11 of True Blood, two of Jessica Jones, and two of Sacred Lies. And Jessica Jones is based on the Marvel comic by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. And to get back to the Halo series, I remember watching the Halo movie that was released on xbox from microsoft did either of you two get to see that i believe it was a two hour or hour and a half movie it was supposed to be like a five half an hour series or something like that and they made it into a feature-length movie it's on my instant watch like to watch list the main thing i remember about that is that mike coulter our very own luke cage had a part in it yeah i don't remember much about it other than it actually had a vehicle in it that was realistic so i can't wait to see what they do with the series so we start talking about the series and we're transitioning back to jessica jones right now and we relate the episode theme to the episode title we're going to talk about the title of the episode five the octopus first there was a lot of octopi references in the episode Mm -hmm. no it's Mm -hmm. octopuses it's octopodes the proper Greek plural is podes, because octopus means eight feet. Pod, podes is the plural. So if you ever want to sound smart or just be a buzzkill like me, octopodes, octopods is also acceptable. I deliberately set you two up to get back at me on that. That was fun. <laughs> All right. So Lauren, since you were the most vocal on it, what is the theme behind the octopus? Well, we see that the octopus was apparently possibly an inspiration in the IGH product when Jessica goes to talk to the janitor who was 
it turns out, falsely accused and put away for a murder at IGH, that the doctor who was in charge of the project is very inspired by octopodes and likes to go down to the aquarium every day to watch them. And I mean, mood. But in this case, it might also be because octopus DNA is very unique. And as they describe it, de novo, which means new, it's a genetic mutation that just occurs. It's like the first occurrence of that mutation. That's when you talk about a de novo mutation, that's what that means. I'm looking it up right now to make sure, first of all, that they use that correctly. And second of all, for my own interest. I had just been watching the current Cosmos series three and octopus DNA actually came up as something that was different from the rest of everything. And I am also reading a sci-fi series in which that came up as well. I didn't fact check the sci-fi series that I was reading. I did, however, concur that it was it when I saw it on Cosmos because I figure they fact check everything on that. And although I shouldn't assume that because it's still entertainment, but it's supposed to be science communication. I did drop a link in the show notes. It's to an article that I looked up really quick. There is some funky stuff going on with octopus RNA and DNA and how they can like self-edit. It's really weird. Yeah, there's an article on like Science Alert called Octopus and Squid Evolution is Officially Weirder Than We Could Have Ever Imagined. Octopode, squid, other mollusks of those types, their DNA makes them very easily able to adapt to their environment. They basically edit their own RNA, which can then translate to DNA modification, which is the de novo genetic mutations. <laughs> the consensus, okay, there's a reporter named Anna Vlasitz. The consensus among folks who study such things is Mother Nature gave RNA editing a try, found it wanting, and largely abandoned it, but not in cephalopods. Well, in this episode of Jessica Jones, I learned that an octopus can just sever their injured tentacle and move on. I don't mm -hmm. know if it grows back or not. I assume it does, but maybe it doesn't. And the other thing is that there's no bone structure in there. So they could squeeze through the entire body can squeeze through a little opening the size of a quarter. Yes. So they are mollusks who are generally known for having a shell like a snail or a clam. But in cephalopods, that shell has basically shrunk down to something that's called the pin, particularly in squid. And I don't remember if octopodes also, but. Uh, they can squeeze into a space that basically can accommodate that pin, which is why you hear so many stories about octopodes escaping from aquariums and fish tanks and just kind of wandering around eating other fish. <laughs> There's videos of them. that You put them in a jar and they can like squirm out a tentacle and unscrew the jar. It's they're amazing. And frightening all at the same time. Well, they don't live very long. <laughs> well, I welcome our new octopode. Overlords. <laughs> Overlords. Okay. Well, Michelle, why don't you take a stab at the theme behind the second episode we watched this week, a.k.a. FaceTime. There's the obvious moment where Jessica finds Eric, the son of Justice, and basically she wants information and she uses the FaceTime feature 
to go, hey, look who I have. I have your son. Give me some information. And with that information, she finally gets actual face-to-face meeting of Dr. Carl and the woman who we find out is her mother. So she finally gets that (gasps) face-to-face moment. Wow. The other woman that has powers is her mother? Say it ain't so. It's so. Well, that was a surprise to me. What about you, Lauren? Uh, What do I think about the theme of the episode, or what did I think about that reveal? The reveal. Looking back, I could see the the hints and everything that they're dropping. It was one of those where I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't do an oh moment because it could have been anybody. But I was like, okay, this is the route we're going to go. Okay. And just the way that Jessica found out where she went into the bedroom of the person that she was stalking or trying to find out or whatever and saw a picture of her as she was younger with her brother. And I think everything started to come into place for her then. But then her mom walked in and said, hey, it's me. And did Jessica say mom at that point or did? Yeah, Jessica said mom. Yeah. So we find that out. Again, I'm so glad we didn't have to wait another week for that. We watched, in my opinion, the correct two episodes in that we got all the way from where we were at the end of the previous episode, episode four, and we got all the way to the reveal. So I'm very glad that we got both of these episodes done. I think they were a great pair to watch back to back. So if you're doing binge watching and only watching two episodes, they're they're pretty good, at least in my opinion. Now. The octopus to me felt like a reset. It felt like at the end of episode four, that was like the first act. And then this was the start of the second act, because even though there was themes that were carried over, there wasn't any direct plot that was carried over. I mean, I guess a few with the, with the Simpson drug device that Trish is using or whatever, but it was like a hard break in between there. Did anybody else feel that? Well, there's a shift in her investigation. She's really focused on, you know, her board and getting certain types of evidence. But with that going away, she actually has to rely on Malcolm and she reaches out to Oscar. (laughs) Call that reaching out. There is a tonal shift. Okay. So I wasn't imagining things. Lauren, you feel the same way? I do. The first episode It reminded me a little bit of Orphan Black in tone, just because of the whole science mystery aspect of it. And the second episode was back to being more, I guess, traditionally noir. I do remember in the first episode, just, and we've talked about this before, just focusing on Malcolm and his rise as a character. Now, there is this shift for a infatuation slash wanted relationship with Trish with Malcolm. But he has to face his past. He goes back to the university. He basically takes advantage of somebody that he knew in order to get the card to get in. And then he ends up really trying to help Trish out and figuring out that she, well, he doesn't really figure out that she's got something going on with the drug. He's looking past that, isn't he? Well, when he finds her, she has already like taken a shower. And then she goes back and gets a hit and then looks fine. Yeah, she's not quite as strung out. And then she's, because it's an inhaler and she's just like, oh, allergies. And then there's like distraction going on there. 
And then they sleep together, which is the ultimate distraction. Yeah. I think we're going to see the effects of that for the rest of the season, whether it's good or bad. She was just in a really rotten place after having been proposed to and then declining the proposal just because she didn't want to be in his shadow, Griffin's shadow. And of course, I think there's more to it, but she doesn't realize it. I think she made the right choice, but she was vulnerable. And I don't want to say Malcolm took advantage of her, but mm, I don't know if I was in his spot if I would have continued with that advance of hers, but she was pretty forward about it. Oh, God, that proposal. First of all, I feel like big public proposals are something that if you do, you kind of need to have talked to the person beforehand. First of all, make sure you know what the answer is going to be. And second of all, make sure that they're a person who is okay with big public stuff like that. Otherwise, it feels kind of like a manipulative tactic. Uh, He went through her contacts. He snooped on her phone and computer to get all her relatives there you know it's always nice to watch a public proposal on like youtube or something that goes well like this big elaborate thing or this big thing that is still personal for that person but for all of those there's just as many that i've seen that went incredibly poorly or friends of mine who are introverts who are like oh i think that if somebody did that to me i would just run i wouldn't know what to do i was lucky enough that when i got proposed to uh we'd sort of been discussing it beforehand and it was just the two of us in a meaningful spot and the fact that when trish was like oh i was disappointed because you told me that what's the the company's name like zcn i think it was cnn it was actually cnn no zcn cn yeah. I'm sorry. I watched Bombshell last night. So it's part <laughs> of it. You know, she's gearing up and she's like, oh, this is finally my chance. And it's a proposal. And if somebody proposes, I feel like if you're not absolutely certain, if it, you're not, you know, you're going to be tying yourself to somebody's life or to at least their life for a, an extended amount of time. If your answer isn't kind of an unequivocal yes, or if you were disappointed because I realized this isn't what I wanted, or again, when she says, I don't want him, I want to be him, and she'll always be in this shadow, she'll always be resenting him. Yeah, I think she absolutely made the right choice to not accept. Michelle, what did you think about the proposal? I was so pissed off at that guy. He actually says in his proposal that he got people there to make it difficult for her to say no. He actually says this in a roundabout way. But when I rewatched it, he really, when you put it together, he wanted to pressure her. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Especially, I mean, I would have just been like, what the F? F no. If you would have done that to me, that obviously would have been a no because the person proposing to me would have realized that I don't want that at all. And so if they did that to me, then obviously that's not the person for me because they haven't been paying attention to what I want. You know, I was 50-50 about it because she is kind of a public figure and wants the the, the public accolade and stuff like that. But 
you know, when it comes down to it, if you're going into marriage, I don't care if you are a public figure or not, you should understand what the other person needs. And also, you just need to have that conversation together. And we had seen that they had made no conversation about them getting together for the rest of their lives. They were talking about moving in, but that's different from marriage. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's still a big commitment, but it's not legal. You would be presumably mingling your, not only your personal life, but possibly your finances. And, you know, it's just moving in together. If they haven't taken that step and they haven't, he's like, oh, we're thinking of moving in together, but they haven't decided one way or the other. And, oh, it's just, again, it was incredibly frustrating, kind of infuriating. Especially given the situation between her mom and herself and her mom was in on it. And, you know, to the point of, oh, we got this interview with ZNN and and it, it turns out to be something that's completely different. Trish herself knew what was going on after the fact. But you get put in that situation where you have all your friends and family around. She didn't say yes, but she didn't say no either. And I also noticed afterwards, especially when Griffin was talking to Jessica, they weren't together. You know, Trish was off doing conversations with her friends and family, or I assume family. And Griffin was talking with Jessica. They were two separate things. You've just engaged you really branch out like that right away no you stay together as a couple at least for a while before you start branching out in my opinion again just my opinion yeah i have so much to say about trish's mom (laughs) she stage managed her daughter's engagement like what was that even every time we see her mother she's just horrible and it's an incredibly toxic relationship like i i was telling michelle a bit ago I rewatched Tangled earlier this week. And that movie is partially about a very emotionally abusive relationship between an adoptive mother and the daughter she kidnapped. But in both cases, you have them saying mother instead of, you know, mom or some other shortening term. And you know that Rachel's mom insisted on that. I call my mom mother when we're joking. You have just that extreme emotional negging, if it's that's an applicable term here, that just sort of, you know, oh, I knew you mess up everything and let's make this all about me. Everything you do reflects on me. And maybe it's because I just rewatched it that I saw the parallels there. But yeah, Trisha's mom, emotionally abusive. We knew this. We knew Jessica knows this since she does not want Trish have contact with her mom because she knows how it is. And again, like an abuse victim, she keeps running back to her mom, kind of hoping things will be different this time. Again, it's extremely sad and upsetting. Tangled, by the way, is also a historical mile marker in cinematography because it is the first time where they really got hair animation correct. Indeed, there's some really great behind-the-scenes stuff on the Blu-ray. And, yeah, they really had to work at it with that much hair. Anyway, we also have Jessica branching out and finding a friend in the police department, at least somebody that she can call back and forth. So I'm on the fence with this, and maybe this is something that Michelle can't comment on because she's seen the rest of the series and Lauren and I haven't, but... 
Warren, what do you think of that relationship between her and the detective? He extends the olive branch of, I, I'm in your court. Thank you very much for taking care of him. I didn't very much appreciate having to point my own gun at my own head. And a lot of people are, are, are very thankful that you did what you did. Uh, but I don't know if he can be trusted. We do see the sympathetic cop in her interrogation there. And we find out that, yeah, he was one of those that Kilgrave manipulated back in season one. And I need to go back and watch and see if we actually see him on screen in that scene. But he seems a lot more sympathetic to her because of that, because he did feel the effects of being under Kilgrave's control. And he mentions, you know, oh, I used to have nightmares about this, but the nightmare stopped when I heard that you killed him. So that's something they have in common. I don't think it's going to make them best buddies, but it's at least showing that while we've seen Jessica being crapped on so a lot this season so far, there's people who have a small taste of what she went through and have a lot of sympathy for her that don't think she's a horrible monster or a killer. And yeah, I, I don't know if he'll show up again. But for an audience member, that was kind of really satisfying and gratifying to see. A little bit. I just am protective of Jessica and just am distrustful of everybody in Jessica's outer sphere that's not in her inner sphere sort of thing. Like, I would say Trish and Malcolm are in her inner sphere, and even then she has problems with them. But anybody in an outer sphere, uh, I, you know, I don't know if. Ooh, her relationship with the lawyer. Uh, I, I don't even know if I would consider that inner sphere. She calls her because she knows that Jerry has skills and uh, available resources that she can tap into. But I don't think they're close buds by any means. Absolutely not. So I think that sort of thing would also extend to the detective. Kind of a similar relationship, but less history there. And finally, in the octopus, we also have the pinnacle of Jessica's investigation into IGH because she finds uh, the super that she's going after with, with the doctor that she's going after with in an aquarium. This is a, a nice place to meet. I mean, I like aquariums. You can go on virtual tours of uh, aquariums. You can have aquariums on your screens, whatever, as you're falling asleep if you need, or some soothing background or stuff like that. But... um uh, apparently, uh, evil supers don't like aquariums. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, I was really happy when I saw this doctor because it's Leobin from Battlestar Galactica. Yes, I, I did notice that, and my mind went into the. Gosh, when was it? It was season 2.5 or whatever when they were on New Caprica and Starbuck was being held hostage. Yeah. That's what I think of every time I think of Leobin. And he was kind of similar character in this. Yeah, and here we see him hanging out with, hugging on the killer super that we met a few episodes ago, who, when she sees Jessica, punches a poor aquarium. She punches that glass, and I got really worried because zoos and aquariums are kind of vital in a lot of cases for breeding endangered animals and for public education. It, I used to live in Houston. I, I lived on the South side and I used to work on Galveston Island. And when Hurricane Ike hit back in 2008, the aquarium at Moody Gardens 
got horribly damaged. And there were so many fish that died. And it was a huge, I mean, it's a huge financial blow. It's a huge emotional blow. And if they were part of a breeding program or anything, it could be a huge conservation blow to the whole population. I did like that, you know, we see the CGI cracks and we hear the sound of it breaking, but we don't see it because they were filming at an actual aquarium. And I doubt they would have let them actually break a thing there. Didn't you see the note at the end of the episode? No fish were harmed in the filming of this episode. No, because my Netflix went on to the next episode. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm actually I don't know what I did. I think I turned off automatic play and I'm actually to get all the way through the end credits now, which is great because I, I like actually the pause in between episodes. I don't know, Michelle, do you like the pause in between episodes? Or you, if you're binge watching two episodes like this, you just want to go right to the next episode. It depends on what I'm watching for this. I'd like going straight into. OK, well. I got some pause there, so I had a chance to get up, use the restroom, come back with a fresh beverage, and, and watch the second part this morning. But no, I was just joking. There was no thing on there that said no fish were <laughs> harmed in the filming of this episode. However, we do see Jessica go and find some video cameras, which would have filmed her two people that she was being a PI and trying to get information on. And so she, it's closed. The store is closed. She has to come back the next day to find out what was going on. But in the process, she finds out she can't open her phone. Now, I think we've all been in the situation, especially with the newer phones that can get wet, where they get wet and then you cannot activate them because the water is acting as this uh, touch all over the phone and you have to actually dry it off in order to get the phone to actually work. So I thought that's what was going on to begin with, but it wasn't the case. It was the case where the phone actually got water damage, and so she just went to a supermarket, stuck her phone half into a, a bag of rice, and then a couple of hours later, it was working. That never happens in real life, but <laughs> at least supers know to use rice. Yeah, that, that worked way quicker than it should have. I'm wondering if her phone was supercharged by Tony Stark or something like that. I doubt it. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine how a meeting between Tony Stark and Jessica Jones would go. I'm pretty sure she would end up punching him. Well, it's not that different from how Black Widow first met Tony in the movies. No, there was some Black Widow actually had like personality and was charming people and such. Jessica is just like, who are you? Yeah. OK, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica, this is this is becoming more clear. And like you said, SP earlier with her social bubble, she's somebody who she's been hurt really badly twice before first when all her family died and then after her abduction by Kilgrave. So her defense mechanism is keeping everyone, even the people who care for her, even people that she would have previously considered friends, maybe keeping everybody at arm's length. And it's kind of making herself as deliberately unpleasant as possible to avoid having to have that contact with people. Um, there's, been some great articles and studies written about people with PTSD and coping methods. And this is a coping method. It's not a healthy one. Neither is her alcoholism, but it's the one that she's basically chosen to keep herself moving forward. It's that if I can't let people close to me, they can't hurt me thing. 
I was thinking of you ladies as I was watching this episode. I was thinking of Haley too because I noticed that we had our gratuitous shirtless sex scene with body paint and there was no wound on the upper torso. <laughs> but there was paint. Not at the start. I mean, y- you had to get there. I mean, you had the shirtless scene without any cover up to begin with. Yeah. At, that's the way. I mean, Okay, so for the long-term listeners of Legends of Shields, you might are be able to pick up what I'm putting down right now. But what we got going on is a Netflix series. There's always a gratuitous shirtless scene of our male characters as they're in amorous situations. So we finally get one in this series, and there was body paint involved. <laughs> purple. Purple and yellow. But the purple, I was like, is this not upsetting you? I mean... No judgment, but she's like smearing the purple on him. And I was thinking, is that what's going to be what sets her off and gets her to leave? But no, it's just the morning after I have no idea how to relate to somebody. I may possibly regret this a little leaving. I was thinking about that. It was just that she didn't know what to do in that situation. I think she actually was not pleased, but she was intrigued by what was going on. She just didn't know how to react to it. So she left. Yeah. Again, she does not know how to people no she does not and that's inherent in every single situation that she finds herself in including on the golf course where (laughs) she is doing her investigation to finally get to the doctor and to find out what's going on there but they find out that the golf course is gender specific and they are not in the club so first of all i don't know about y'all but i have no use for country clubs just that putting up a front, let's mingle with people to make connections. I mean, yes, I go to conventions and network, but it's a different attitude. And this is very much like an old money boys club type of place. And also it's golf, which no offense to golf fans out there, but I hate golf. Mini golf is okay. Mini golf sometimes has ice cream. I have one great use for country clubs. Caddyshack. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the butter for some reason. No. But that's country uh, crock. Yeah, what does what butter have to do with a golf course? I was thinking of con- country club and my mind said country crock and now I want toast. <laughs> okay, everybody. Lauren is hungry. I just, and Michelle is... Uh, Michelle is ashamed of me. <laughs> she's a loss for words. <laughs> I'm just letting y'all talk because I know what happens. (laughs) This is where Trish, she's going through some withdrawal symptoms and they're getting worse every time she uses the drug and it all uncontrollable. All of a sudden she has to vomit. So at least she vomited appropriately in the direction of the all men's club at, (laughs) at the entrance. I thought that was appropriate. Yeah. Power move if she'd managed to puke on him. But. We do see, again, the the first time we see her with like a a hangover from that, she sleeps for 26 hours, which been there, not from a hangover, but been there. And the second time is here where we see her. She throws up. She looks like death. She's going through her bag because, again, it's in a lot of cases, like with opioids, with heroin, stuff like that, it's the withdrawal that's kind of what keeps people going back you have to keep redoing it just to feel normal and this seems like it's one of those drugs even though it seems like 
something that maybe affects the autonomic nervous system as opposed to pain and pleasure receptors, in which case the the vomiting is also appropriate. I'm trying to remember back in the last season, and I don't know if the doctor had prescribed Simpson some kind of like heroin has methadone. I don't know if there is any methadone to this inhaler drug that he was taking. Yeah, and that's a huge problem. Yeah. So in order to keep going, you have to take another hit. You can space it out and do that. Like if you're going, if you've ever done caffeine withdrawal, like you've been (laughs) drinking a lot of coffee or Mountain Dew or whatever, and you decide I'm not going to do it's Lent or whatever, or or for my health, I'm just going to stop doing that. I would encourage you not to do it all at once because it's going to hit you with a ton of bricks unless you got a couple of weeks of sick leave on you and then you can just take it because it is going to knock you out flat. I've never heard of anybody who has cold cut caffeine out of their system to be able to function for the next two weeks. It's nasty. You go through like a flu sort of thing and you end up getting really tired and you have to sleep a lot and it's just uh, two weeks of nasty. So so fun fact about caffeine. Yeah. It doesn't actually make you more like awake or anything. What it does is it affects the receptors in your brain that acknowledge that you're tired. So your brain just kind of forgets to be tired. So yeah, in that case, all of a sudden you don't have the thing that's making yeah, and again, it's you take more and more to feel normal. Again, it's all of a sudden you're realizing how tired you've been. And as somebody who regularly sleeps 10 plus hours a day because hey guess what being in pain when you sleep makes you not have good quality sleep when you realize how tired you are it feels like death there's also the fact that going cold turkey not for caffeine thankfully but going cold turkey in the cases of lots of drugs including alcohol can cause seizures death it turns out when you mess with brain chemistry Bad things can happen. <laughs> I was watching a Nova episode about the brain and people that have insomnia and, and what's causing it and stuff like that. Fascinating stuff. The amygdala is involved and then it gets inflamed, and yeah. it, which means you're more alert and you can't get back to sleep and you can't get in that rhythm. The fact that we as organisms are functional at all is amazing. The more you learn about the brain, the more you learn about what happens and what can go wrong in your body. It gives you a whole new respect for just like existence as a thing. Like the fact that basically right now watching us watching Jessica Jones, our mind is kind of fuzzing in filling the details in. It's what can I do to use the least amount of effort? It's fascinating. We also find talking about fascinating things. We also find out that Jerry is interested in this whole IGH thing, not necessarily just because she's using Jessica Jones as a client, but also because she suspects that it could be a pathway to cure her ALS or just make it better or something like that. She kind of finds out that that's kind of true where there's this super out there, this person that's been developed that could be a healer. I suspect. Maybe this is something that Michelle is hoping that we get to, that Eric might be the healer, but it could be somebody else, too. I don't know at this point. So, yeah, we have the um, the homeless woman who's Inez. In- Inez. Thank you. I was like, it's Hispanic sounding, but OK, Inez. So we have her c- making all these demands on Jerry 
eventually she's going to go through her medicine cabinet and jewelry and clean her, her out and leave. But then she sees the medication for, you know, managing the ALS symptoms. And it hits her real hard in the guilt button. So she tries to go talk to Jerry, who, watching the episode since finding out, the only person that we've seen her not completely crap on with regards to trying to reach out to her about the ALS is Jessica when she slid over the trash can and didn't say anything. Because I think she knows that Jessica is like the least pitying person ever, and she can't stand being pitied. So when this nurse, this former nurse, comes to say, hey, I saw this, and I remember I used to help people, Jerry just bites her head off. She does, but eventually she gets the information that she wanted, and I think it is what she wanted, and I don't know if she's going to share it with Jessica or not. Probably not. And we'll see what those two, Jessica and Jerry, do as things go on. Also, uh, Jessica ends up finally getting some art for her walls. We've seen, you know, her place has been in disarray since season one. This is season two after the Defenders. And, you know, she needs to put up some, well, she needs to finish painting, first of all, or Malcolm needs to finish painting, but she also needs some artwork. She's got some now. I wanted to mention this last time and I forgot. So all of Oscar's artwork is actually by David Mack who did the covers for the original Alias comic. Alias as in her name of her investigations. But that made me so happy. I love David Mack's art. He's done not only just the Jessica Jones covers, but, okay, I'm a huge Critical Role fan. He did a poster for Campaign 1 that I really, really like. He has a very signature, almost sketchy quality with watercolor paint that's just gorgeous to his art. And we have him kind of doing an homage to that here when Oscar gives Jessica the art and it's it's a David Mack Jessica Jones painting. It, it made me so happy. And of course, being her, she can't stand to look at herself and turns it around. Yeah, and the other interaction with Oscar this week was the fact that she needed Oscar for the fake ID so that she could get into the mental health facility and interview uh, the uh, former janitor janitor who was framed for murder. And I was intrigued. I don't know if it was sympathetic writing or just wits of her being able to get where she needed to go. But she has a way, Jessica Jones has a way of dealing with people that is very insightful. It's like an innate superhero power that she has. I mean, super strength is what her superpower is, but she really can read people and work people, which works really well in her job as a private eye. I'm wondering if it's another manifestation of her PTSD, of that whole being able to read people to know, do I want to avoid this person? Are they a threat? Or if maybe she was just like, if she could have been this incredibly empathetic person had all these traumas not happened to her, or if it's a combination of both. I'm wondering if maybe over the course of the rest of the series, we'll see any of that. Well, I've continued to see it every time she actually interacts. When she was dealing with Malcolm last season, same sort of thing, where she can really relate to people in their moment of need and as long as they're not a threat, she's able to help them. And, and even though she was gunning for some information and she was a little bit manipulative, she was trying to help him. 
The last thing I want to talk about Jessica Jones this week is Jessica's innate ability to go between Android and iOS because she can FaceTime (laughs) like the best of them and she definitely has an Android phone. Okay, a few years ago, I switched from iPhone to Android and my spouse has not. And I don't know how she does it because I'm just like, I forgot how iPhones work in that time. Hell, this afternoon, I was playing on the Switch and tried to switch over to the PS4 to show this on net to watch on Netflix. And just all this, my brain was still in switch mode. So I kept hitting the wrong buttons. So that is genuinely a superpower. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, she knows how to use rice. She knows how to go between Android and iOS. She could probably operate a Windows phone. I mean, that's some superpower. Here. She operated a Surface tablet just like that. I mean, okay, she's got all three operating systems. Anyway, <laughs> that's that's it for these episodes. I'm still very oh, grateful. Did we talk about the fact that the reveal at the end when she breaks into the superwoman's apartment? Well, we talked about it at the beginning, but let's go more in depth if you need to. So we, we find out who the superwoman is. It's mom, but uh, she is now down in there. And I was... I was a little bit trepid about her going down into the basement to begin with, especially when she got to the bed with had all the shackles on it. And the <laughs> only thing that I was really not hesitating on is I knew that she could probably do a super leap through the ceiling. I didn't see any reinforcements through the ceiling, so she could have gotten out that way if she had to. But that was very not tactically smart of her to go down to the basement. Well, I think a lot of it is, you know, she goes in and she's she's not expecting what she finds. Obviously, she thinks her mother's dead. And I guess the reason she didn't recognize her, not only because of age, is the big curly wig. It's one of those things where, yeah, we all make fun of, oh, Lois didn't realize Superman's Clark Kent because of the glasses. But then meet somebody who, you know, when they change their hair drastically or They do just stuff like that. And it's like, wow, okay, did not recognize you for a second. So she goes in and she's looking at that tablet and she hears the piano music. And I, you know, you see her start to react to it. In retrospect, I wonder if this is something her mom used to play a lot when she was growing up. She goes into the bedroom and she smells the perfume. And... Again, it's scent memories are incredibly strong. I have an uncle who died almost 10 years ago, and I can still remember the way he smelled. So that's what we see in her face, really. And then, of course, she drops the perfume bottle when she sees the picture of her and her brother as kids. So they did a really good job of building that up of the whole, no, this can't be what I think it is. Move on to the next thing. This can't be what I think it is. But if it is, move on to confirm or deny that yeah it was i I feel like that reveal was done really really well by the actors and it ends in a point where you don't know what's going to happen next you don't know if she's going to be captured you don't i mean they're basically hugging or whatever you don't know if this is a beneficial relationship you don't know who the bad guy is at this point in time You, you really just don't know and it is looking like We're going to find out what a great place to cut an episode in. We've discussed this before when we were dealing with all the pre-Defenders Netflix series. These Netflix series do a great job of wanting to sucker you in to watch the next episode. And this was a great cut for that. Now, I'm fine waiting a week with what we saw 
just like I was fine last week, waiting a week from the arrest to see what we saw. But if I wanted to watch the next episode right away, I would want to watch the next episode right away just because of what we saw. Yep. I, again, these shows are so well done. They are. Now, Michelle, do you have anything to bring up that we haven't covered that you want to make sure is covered before we move on to next week's episodes? Have you, you know about, oh, the, oh, that saying in storytelling, when you see the gun in the first act, Chekhov's gun, gun. Chekhov's gun, instead of Chekhov's gun, we have Trish's gun. And that's (laughs) all I'm going to say. Oh, dear. Fair enough. That is something I wanted to mention that. We see her after she takes the hit. She deliberately goes out to look for trouble. Like she finds a guy, she's scanning people. She finds a guy that she thinks has a gun. It turns out it's a self-help book. And she kicks the guy who the woman said groped her literally off the bus. And she's trying to do, I think, like the Dexter thing of only hurt bad people. But I don't see this ending well for her. It's again, it's she's trying to justify her new addiction. It's in character. It's in her character that we saw in season one. This is nothing new. This is not surprising. But And we do know that she has an addictive personality. She mentions that she's been sober for like 10 years now. And she's admitted that she wants to be known and seen and a hero. Yep. So she's I feel like this is potentially a very bad course for her and it's unfortunate too because i like her as a character and i just see this train wreck coming and it's basically already here it's just watching it happen and no breaks you know a train starts to have an accident and there's no breaks and there's nothing you can do about it until it's over it's a slow motion train wreck yeah and one last thing that i wanted to mention i feel like we're really seeing the theme of this season come together as of this episode the first season you could argue is all about personal responsibility and toxic masculinity which again as i explained last week is not all men are bad it's the way that certain values are instilled and allowed makes a certain kind of masculinity the the kind and is not good for anybody male female non-binary anybody this season i think we're really starting to see mother issues and addiction issues because we have Trish going back to her mom, that whole toxic relationship. Now, Jess's mom's back in the picture. And with addiction, not only um, Malcolm's former addiction, we see him talk to an ex-girlfriend at college that he tried to apologize to. We see Trish's new addiction to that inhaler thing. And as still carries over from season one, we see Jessica's addiction to alcohol, which is her coping mechanism. And I want to see how all of those resolve by the season's end and what the theme for next season will be. Yeah, I don't know if everything's going to be resolved or not. And we do have that other season, so it's not a Runaways or a Cloak and Dagger sort of ending where we don't have another season. But at the end of season three, I don't know when they were ending season three, whether or not They knew that, so there might be some dangling threads there. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I'm pretty sure you're right in that if anything is left over, that we'll see the rest of it in season three versus season two, which we're in. I've been, like I said, have enjoyed these episodes, and we get two more next week. We're going over season two, episodes seven and eight, aka I Watch Your Cray Cray, and aka 
Ain't We Got Fun. So looking <laughs> forward to that next week. Which, by the way, for those who don't know, that's the name of the song, which I mostly know from like Looney Tunes. We're tiny, we're toony, we're all a little <laughs> loony, and in this cartoony, I'm sure I'm breaking some copyright yeah, law. Yeah, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Okay. I don't think it's breaking the copyright law if you're just singing it and not playing it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll find so out. So fuzzy. My, my best friend's an IP lawyer. I'll ask her. We'll find out if this gets flagged on YouTube. I'm surprised you recognize me. I took off my glasses and you still recognize me. <gasps> Who are you? <laughs> I want to thank all our listeners for hanging in there with us. We've got some phenomenal discussions with Jessica Jones ahead of us. We've had some great discussions. We really appreciate all your feedback on the Discord, on Twitter, and on Facebook. I've seen it all. You guys are great, and we will be delving into some of that feedback hopefully next week. Thank you to everybody who listens. Sorry we don't have any news, but it's kind of how things are right now. Yeah, send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what Marvel stuff you may be re-watching right now. Yeah, give us your opinions on Jessica Jones, obviously, any of the stuff we've covered recently. And thank you for listening. We hope we are able to provide a bright spot in your life right now. Yes, thank you very much for continuing to listen to us talk about shows that are two years old. Thank you. <laughs> Only two years old this time. Only two years old. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Bye. See everybody next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Classes are back. <gasps> Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Trying to figure out lighting settings. Nope. You could podcast okay. in the dark and look like a vampire. That's fine. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I could probably do see alexa turn off the office yeah see i can do it <laughs> could be the vampire desk so i've been sleeping a lot and uh playing animal crossing i don't know what animal crossing is is that a mobile game or a computer game okay there's it's a nintendo there. game yeah it's a nintendo game there is a version for mobile called animal crossing pocket camp this one's the newest version. It's on Switch, and it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. And you have moved to a, des uh, a deserted island that is no longer deserted because you're building a community there. You make friends, build buildings. Gardening. Yeah, gardening, catch insects, catch fish, clean up, plant trees. It's, 
it's basically chore uh, simulator the game, but with you know like your landlord's a raccoon. But it's really relaxing. I've been playing a lot of that in Stardew Valley. I uh, realized I was like two weeks behind on certain shows, and I've realized that I haven't really missed. I'm really sad what they did to Legends of Tomorrow, and I don't like what they've done to Batwoman. So I'm just like, you know what? I think I'm just going to like nope out for the rest of the season. That's I just. I had Batwoman on, was it Friday night, I think? It was either Friday night or yesterday morning in the workout room. I started on the treadmill, and then when it ended the treadmill, I discovered that I probably should do some cord management behind the entertainment center. So I went behind the entertainment center there and discovered one of the worst messes I've ever seen in terms of cords and everything. And then I walked around to several of the other entertainment centers in the house going, that's the same thing, including behind this podcast gear, too. I'm like, okay, during this pandemic, it is my goal to do cord management. That's what's going to keep me busy during this whole thing. So I started doing chord management as Batwoman is playing and also Supergirl too. And Mm -hmm. in both of those shows, I am so glad I am not podcasting on them because I (laughs) I would be out. I would be really out there. I have watched a little bit of the flash too. The flash is okay. It's not the best. And the other thing with the flash right now though, is they, I think either finished or were in the middle of episode 20 and they were disbanded. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know when we're going to get the end of the season. Yeah. So you're on. I'm just, I don't like the way they had Ray go. That pissed me off. On the flash? No, on Legends of Tomorrow. Oh. Ray and Nora? Yes. That pissed me off so much how they... I haven't seen that one yet, but... I'm picking up what you put down because I was wondering when it was going to happen. It happened in this week's episode. Okay. I have been watching Cosmos, which if you haven't watched Cosmos, I, I mean, I have personal issues with Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and it has nothing to do with what was in the news. It was his treatment of Pluto. This is well documented. Him and I disagree on Pluto. <laughs> and honestly, he's not the best science communicator to be on Cosmos. I think there are better ones. Yeah. Yeah. I used to really like him, but it's like he bought in, even without the whole, you know, alleged sexual assault thing, he bought into his own hype big time. And was yeah. part of our issue yeah. on Pluto is he was, you know, acting as the person, even though it wasn't him that made the decision, the person that was responsible for it. Yeah, it's like, you don't have that much pull. <laughs> anyway, I, I've been watching it, and I got a new 65-inch 4K TV with 124 hertz uh, motion on it, and the, the visuals are just spectacular. It nice. is some of the best visuals I've ever seen at home, so it's fun watching that. Of course, I get to it late at night, and I fall asleep in my chair and have to rewatch it in the morning. Darn! or the next yeah. day or whatever, but I make sure I'm, I'm watching it in a dark room and my great room has windows all around it. You know, the light comes in and, and whatever, but I've been watching that. I've been watching clone wars. Yes. I need yes. to watch the last season. I haven't had a chance yet. I'm on episode four of season like four. one, season one, episode four. Okay. I will say 
season one is a bit rough in parts, but the end of the season is where it all starts to really come together. And you're like, oh, this is what the show could be. Where I think we're going to do a rewatch because my friend Mary started trying to watch it, started with the movie, oh, hated that's it. Great. You are now living by your best friend again. Yes, I'm so happy. We we actually went to her place last night to group order dinner and watch Frozen 2. I have not seen it. Okay. Frozen 2 was really good, but it was way darker than I was. I was like, wow, this is dark for Okay, there's like literally a song about how we're all going to die. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, well, it's a character singing it in like like the it's like the rock bottom part of the movie. The visuals are beautiful. There's this adorable little like salamander, like literally it's a lizard and it's also a lizard that's on fire, so salamander. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, she tried watching the movie, stopped halfway through because she was like, I hate this and I hate everyone in it. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine. Scott, after we get got out of the movie, Scott's like, oh, oh my God, this show's going to suck. And it wasn't until like halfway through because I kept watching it <laughs> that Scott was like, okay. And then it's now it's like one of both of our favorite shows. And uh, I've been watching a lot of wrestling. <laughs> I got back into wrestling. It's fun. AEW is fantastic. Mm-hmm. My daughter and her boyfriend are starting The Expanse. And Ooh. I told both of them, get through CQB. And if you want to drop out after CQB, you can. But make sure you make it through CQB. And they said, okay. I will report back on what happened. I, of course, have a essential splash, maybe, job. My wife works in a bank, so she's going to work. My daughter works at starbucks which is still open and i think most people consider it essential even though i don't personally but it's not essential a lot of a lot of people like coffee yeah that make your own damn coffee people it is drive-through service only so she doesn't have to face the public that way my other daughter is a teacher and she's home but her boyfriend is um forklift mechanic and in warehouses and mm-hmm. it's considered essential for transportation industry so throughout this whole thing i'm i'm looking at world war ii thinking there was a lot of essential stuff happening here at home in order to keep this country going while we're fighting wars overseas those things are still happening to go on now plus all the medical stuff yes. that is having to go on too so there's been some really good articles and stuff that i've seen talking about you know, the similarities between now and the um, 1918 flu and World War II, especially in regard to rationing, about how the purpose of rationing wasn't necessarily because there was a shortage. It was because they wanted to make sure people didn't do what we're seeing now with trying to just grab everything uh, because of panic, because people panic. That's what we do. That's what people do. I did see in Norway, like one store chain figured out a way to control hand sanitizer hoarding. First bottle, $3. Second bottle, 95 <laughs> Nice. That's, yeah. I wish they would have instituted that a while back. Yes. It's kind of interesting seeing people freaking out about having to stay home or work from home considering i've been doing this for a few years now and it's like oh welcome to my life yep it's 
kind of amazing to me because I finally got my daughter and my wife to admit it that they just love going out and yeah, being, there's nothing wrong with being that. social and, and shopping and they love doing all that stuff. I finally got them to admit it. They <laughs> refused to admit it before. No, no, we just have to go and do this for this reason. Like, no, you're just doing it because you like to go out. Yeah. And, and so finally, now that they have to stay at home, they're still making their grocery store runs every day. But they're like, yeah, we, we're just doing that because I feel cooped up and I, I just need to get out. I'm like, okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's that thing where it's like, okay, maybe I became more of a homebody than I used to be from working from home. But I like having the option of being able to go out, hang out at the mall, just sit in a park somewhere. And now it's like, okay, it's the lack of options that gets to me. Luckily, we do have a little park right behind my apartment. So it's like, okay, go for just like quick walks, go through there, avoid people, don't touch things, see if the uh, the dewberries have grown in yet. They, we have wild dewberries in the park behind us. So I can't wait until they actually, like it's, they're in season so that we can make like cobbler and stuff. What uh, color are they? They turn like a black purple when they're ripe. They look a little like blackberries, but the, the tree is different. It's more of a bush than a tree. Okay. At first, I thought they were mulberries, and I was excited because I love mulberries, but the tree wasn't right. Mm. Trying to figure out what they were. Yes. Shall I get anything to say before we uh, start here? No. Um, I'm, I'm just glad I can sit back and you guys uh conspiratory i know this is going to be the last one where i've seen it beforehand when it comes to everything else i have not seen oh so i thought you saw the entire season but you haven't no 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 no. when it comes to future shows i've seen all this i remember all this okay i'm picking up what you're putting down now you're talking about series not or seasons not uh episodes yeah because I hope you can reason. I hope you can now understand why I've just had to say, "Mum." That's a knee slapper there. Yeah. See what you did there. Very sorry, my boss just called me, so I'm going to have to step out for a second, talk amongst yourselves, and then we'll redo in the the transition. Okay. 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 Maybe we could talk about all the other Marvel stuff that we've been watching. Yes. What have you been watching? Well, I guess Marvel. Do we include Disney now? It's like, I almost feel like when we say Marvel or Disney, it's almost like... You know what? It's like, okay, it's one of those Marvel is Disney, but Disney is not Marvel thing. Yeah. Anyway, talk about Disney. Let's talk about Disney. Yeah, let's talk about... Anyway. Oh, so oh, first off, did you hear about the news that Rosario Darson is going to be a Shoka Tono in season two of The Mandalorian? It's not officially confirmed. And honestly, I'm a little bit soured on that news because it was brought to my attention that she and her family were accused of a transphobic attack on an employee of theirs. Um, Ouch. Yeah. So considering how much I am on record as loving Rosario Dawson very much. So I'm like, eh. But I think it would be really cool if they gave the voice actor a chance. Yes, Ashley Eckstein has cosplayed her. And yeah, given how we've seen creature effects on The Mandalorian, it's like, come on. 
other Disney things, I watched Frozen 2 last night. Is it any good? I really liked it. I think I liked the story of the first one a little more, but the lighting's amazing. The visual effects, it's just so good. I was talking last night with uh, my spouse and my friend that we watched it with. Okay, I was watching Tangled the other night because it was on TV and I was feeling bad. And I'm like, oh, Disney makes me feel better. And I am going to be making Tangled references for the episodes we're going to be discussing. But it's like, wow, this, this movie's 10 years old, which first of all, what? And second of all, still looks great. Frozen, first one, couple years old, fantastic movie, beautiful, looks great. This one, amazing soundtrack. The visuals are astounding. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's like a water horse thing because it was in the trailer. And I was just continually blown away by it whenever it would show up. It's just beautiful. And the fact that you have these almost photorealistic backgrounds and environments and the characters still don't look out of place is just like mwah, chef's kiss. So good. And yeah, the songs are great. Awesome. I've been watching the last season of Clone Wars. Ah, I need to. It's not a big spoiler, but I like how they're focusing on the clones. I think they're doing that so they can explain how some of them overrode Order 66. Because if you've seen Rebels or have read any of the current Extended Universe, approved Extended Universe <laughs> stuff. Extended Universe 2.0. Yeah, it, it, it is shown that some of the Jedi survived and for Rebels, uh, Rebels has been around for a while. There are some clones in there that have definitely overridden Order 66. And I think that's how they're going to show how, how they did that. Yeah, it's also canon now that there's like an old man on Endor in Return of the Jedi that is supposed to be Rex. Really? Yes. He made it to Endor? Yeah. The moon of it, the forest moon? Yeah. You can find, I think there's a picture on Wikipedia and other places but yeah look up old man rex return of the jedi it makes me very happy okay i apologize for that and uh thank you i'm sure everybody understands with everything going on the fact that i had to leave for a couple of minutes but everything should be good now and uh i'll redo the bump and we'll just go right into it okay i mean we still have to telework but we're we're not we're not we're in oddly enough i've decided my telework area is not going to be here because um, this is my podcast sanctuary, and even though this is the office, I'm finding other places to telework from. Yeah, Scott's teleworking from the living room. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, but if I was here, I'd want to do podcast stuff the whole time, so I yeah. decided not to be here. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2020.